today's podcast is going to focus on prayer. And I have to tell you, uh, you know, as a Christian woman, I certainly rely on prayer. But now more than ever, prayer is, uh, it is essential. You know, as Christians, um, prayer is a band-aid. It's not a nice to do. It's something that we should all be doing. But I come to this conversation today understanding that life does not work without prayer. I come to the conversation understanding my human fragility, uh, my ongoing um, showing up in the world as a woman and a mother and the need to rely on prayer. So prayer has really become a refuge. And prayer for me has been as simple to Jesus help me. It has been as complex as groanings where I'm not exactly sure what to say, but I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to intercede on my behalf. It's also been a practice where I've invited friends and family to pray with me. So very excited about prayer because it's an opportunity to fill our cups to discern how to help and what to do in every situation. It's an opportunity to acknowledge uh, the sovereignty of God and our reliance on God. For today's conversation, I am so delighted to have several guests. Um, my first guest is Nora uh, Cunningham, and she's the United Methodist Women's Spiritual Growth and Formation Specialist. I'll also be speaking to Grace Choi, She's a missionary in residence at General Board of Global Ministries. Deaconess Catherine and Sarah, uh, she's also with us and she'll be, she is the manager of faith and community relations with kids above all. And certainly last but not least, uh, my guest is Reverend Dion Bassier and she's the chaplain for the Church Center uh, at the United Nations. So I want to tell you a little bit about my first guest before we jump into questions. And again, it's Nora. Uh, she's the Spiritual Growth and Formation Specialist at United Methodist Women, the national office. Her role facilitates opportunities for spiritual growth and nourishment that reflect a fundamental joining together of social justice with faith practice. She received her Master of Divinity from Union Theological Seminary in New York City where she studied post-colonial and liberation theologies and also Christian social ethics. She has a bachelor's degree in sociology from Mount Holyoke College. With all of my guests today, we're going to talk about the United Methodist Women Prayer Guide. Uh, the prayer guide was once known as the prayer calendar, and we're going to talk about the transformation and shifts and that wonderful resource. But Nora, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And I just want to appreciate that introduction um, on talking about prayer. I think that really helped me sort of enter into this space. So amen to that. Wonderful. So Nora, can you tell us a little bit about the prayer guide? And I'm really interested in how it came to be. Definitely. So the prayer guide, as Jennifer said, up until now um, has been known as the prayer calendar. So that's that's the name that people are familiar with. And the prayer guide is, is the new format. Um, it is a connectional resource that allows us to combine our spiritual lives and the mission work that's taking place around the world as a daily practice. Um, so the prayer guide offers the opportunity to highlight the work of the missionaries, the deaconesses and the home missioners around the world 
and connect us in prayer to support the work. So it has been published for decades. Um, I got some stats from Praveena Balasundaram, our director of communications. Um, and from the earliest record we have is from 1947, um, published by the Women's Society of Christian Service. It may go back even as far as the merger um, that created the WSCS in 1939. Um, so originally it was published as a companion to the upper room. Um, and so it's been published by different mission entities over time, mostly because of the mergers that have, have occurred in the denomination. So in the 1950s, the Board of Missions and the WSCS published it jointly. Um, and around 1964, the Joint Commission on Education and Cultivation became the publisher. And then eventually, Mission Education and the Cultivation Division of the General Board of Global Ministries, if that's enough words there, um, published it until it was reclaimed by the Women's Division and the United Methodist Women in, in 2007. So it's a well-loved resource um, and has been for many years. So we look forward to continuing that connectional work. And tell me a little bit about what's in, like, like what's in it. For, for, for those women who have not held the prayer guide in their hand, what's in it? So there's a lot in it. Actually, it's really exciting. If Once you get your hands on it, um, you can see there's something for every day. Um, so the theme for 2022 is experiencing God, finding joy. Don't we need joy? Don't we need to find joy in 2022? Um, it celebrates the joy-filled lives of missionaries, deaconesses, and home missionaries. Um, and others professionally engaged in God's mission today. So if you look, there is a highlighted scripture for the month um, that, can, that you can reflect on for the whole month. Um, you'll see that every Monday there are stories um, from current people in mission. Um, so there's like an extended, that's one of the new things in the, the new format is that this story is now a little longer. Um, so you have that every Monday. Every Tuesday there's a feature on your gifts at work. Um, so this section shares a little more detail about one project that's listed in the box that says pray every day um, at the bottom of the, of the week. Um, so every Wednesday, there's a midweek prayer, which is submitted by a member of the mission community um, and compiled in this book every year. Um, each Thursday, we highlight how our faith calls us to social justice through scripture and there's a monthly uplifting of the Thursdays in Black Global Initiative um, from the Ecumenical Women at the UN, um, which Reverend Dion can tell us more about, um, that, which is an initiative to end all sexual and gender-based violence. Um, Fridays on the, on the prayer guide, you'll see all birthdays for that week. Um, and Saturday offers just a little space to journal or to prompt reflection. So there's still um, projects and institutions that, that it, it profiles them that demonstrate righteousness, peace, and joy in their communities with the organizations that we want to pray for every day. All right. So I know that just listening to you talk about the prayer guide, there are people who are listening and they are they probably want it if they don't already have it. How how can people get this resource in their hands? Absolutely. We want everyone to know that. Um, so it's available for purchase in the e-store. Um, it is available for purchase there. I think it's $14. Um, and then there's also um, a daily prayer guide on Facebook, um, which is just facebook.com backslash daily prayer guide, um, which posts, you know, from every day. So you can engage there. It's also soon to come on Instagram, or it may have already started on Instagram. 
Um, and you'll see on the online platform, I also write weekly short posts reflecting on some part of the content for the prayer guide for that week. So you can check it out. You can comment, share, um, and, and we can connect with one another virtually as well. You said that you write parts of, um, parts of the prayer guide. Can you tell us about a, a part that you contributed that is really meaningful to you? I know it's all meaningful, but maybe something that is very close to your heart. I, what a day to ask me that, um, because the, the post that um, I think went out this week, the prayer, the, the organization to pray for was Kapatiran Kaonlaran Foundation um, Incorporated, which is in Manila, which I actually served at as a global mission fellow um, in 2014 to 2016. And um, I shared in this post the sort of reflection on just fear. You know, I worked with out-of-school youth and fear around, you know, their success. What's going to happen if they, you know, don't make it? Like, I'm, that's really going to hurt. Um, and my mother reflecting back to me then hurt with them and what a, what a faith practice that is. And I just have joy in my heart today because maybe like an hour ago, one of my students from them messaged me on Instagram because he wanted me to know that he graduated from college. And so um, that's just very timely in the last hour. Um, but yeah, so those are some of the reflections. It's not always about me. Um, it also you know, talks about the organizations that UMW is in relationship with, that Global Ministries is in relationship with, and the work being done around the world. You know, you talked a little bit about fear, and I, I shared with you before we started that I come to this conversation today after spending the past five days uh, supporting Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker and uh, other hostages, people who were held hostage at Congregation Beth Israel. I've been offering communication support to them. And um, one of the things that's become apparent is that there are many, many spaces that we once thought were safe that um, can be compromised. And so can you talk to us a little bit about um, praying against fear and are any prayers that you might recommend around fear of gathering or fear of participating in regular traditions? Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to have such a sacred place um, interrupted and, and made dangerous, um, I don't know that I have words for that. Um, but I think my own journey in prayer in, in, it is just this constant reminder that God is greater than that, that I cannot do it all alone. This is some of what I appreciated about your intro. It's just this remembering that prayer is about opening up to a greater power, which is both like vulnerable and healing and, you know, um, that just that experience of, of knowing that God is holding you. Um, along the way and so remembering that practicing that because uh, I think this world really I'm really good at pretending that I can do everything on my own and I think this world really likes to convince us of that but remembering that we have access to this divine this divinity this power um, that fills us with so much more than we could ever do alone Nora thank you so much for your words and thank you for being with us thank you also to the guests who who are joining us so I want to move on to, um, to our next guest, and uh, our next guest is Grace Choi. She's a missionary in residence at General Board of Global Ministries. And let me just tell you a little bit about Grace's background. 
Currently, Grace serves again as a missionary in residence at the headquarters of Global Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. As an active missionary, the role of missionary in residence is to be a liaison between Global Ministries and its missionary community. The work of missionary in residence is pastoral, listening to and caring for missionaries, directing their diverse concerns to Global Ministries and organizational as well as advocating for missionaries. Grace, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my honor to join this podcast. What a mighty calling that you have, um, offering pastoral care and supporting people uh, in, in, in missionary work. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, about your about your day to day work? You already introduced our uh, um, job as a missionary in residences. So we have to add, address missionaries' concerns and needs and voices to global ministry. So therefore, we are trying to communicate as much as we can uh, with the missionaries around the world to maintain a close relationship with them. Um, so every day, uh, since, uh, since we arrived here in Atlanta 2018 from the Philippines, uh, we try to meet missionaries every day, uh, not every day, but uh, every missionaries in at Global Ministry. So ever since that, from that time, we almost uh, all meet almost our missionaries at Global Ministries. So I think that is most uh, important job as a missionary in residence to meet uh, missionaries, whether in person or online. When, whenever we uh, meet together, we share our stories and pray together. So in doing so, we strengthen each others. So after meeting, you know, I write down their prayer request and prayed every night for them with my husband. That is our, uh, I think that's most important and then meaningful part of my job. And then also we, um, we have a lot of meetings in here and the missionary trainings going on in global ministries. And we provide the missionaries perspectives and opinion to the various meetings and missionary trainings as well. And also, you know, uh, we help produce the daily prayer guide, prayer calendar every year, collaborating with the UMW. Our role is to provide content and information of active missionaries. So we collect prayers, mission stories, art of children, or photos from missionaries around the world. Yeah, that, that is our job. <laughs> So Grace, I understand that when you were a teenager, you would read many missionary stories, and you were inspired to um, you were inspired to be a missionary. Is that correct? Ah, uh, yes. Actually, I grew, uh, my father was a pastor, but he passed away, and then my father um, just ministered in a rural area of South Korea, and in his childhood. Um, I read, you know, especially the Albert Schubacher, the doctor in Africa, missionary in Africa. I was so inspired. And then I prayed to God, Lord, someday I really want to be a missionary. But, you know, when, uh, when I uh, came to the senior of high school, I changed my mind. Oh, Lord, because I know the pastor's life and minister's life is very difficult in financially, right? So I decided, I changed my mind. Uh, during senior high school, and then suddenly I got a uh, severe headache, and then even 
I visit many hospitals, but they don't, the doctor doesn't know what's the reason. So I couldn't uh, um, continue to my study in high school. So I stopped for a year. During that time, I remembered, you know, my, uh, the prayer before that during childhood. And then I prayed to God like this, Lord, if you healed me, and, and then I went to the college, then I just studied nursing, and then I'll be a missionary, and then prepare myself to be a missionary during college. So God listened my, uh, God answered my prayer. I entered the college, I studied nursing, and then I joined the Bible study groups, and then dis disciplined myself as a disciple. Wow. You know, as I hear you talk, Grace, I'm reminded that, um, that God will give us the desires of our heart. And your desire was to serve, um, to serve and, and to be in missions. And, and God granted that desire. What a wonderful testimony. Yeah. <laughs> so um, as a missionary, how has prayer, um, how has your life been impacted or influenced by prayer? Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, prayer has allowed me to create meaningful bond with missionaries and with God. So, as I mentioned before, it allows me to hear missionary story and share mine as well. And this has been most meaningful part of my job, right, as a missionary in residence. And also my missionary experience made me to pray uh, for the missionaries with great empathy. So when I would hear that God answered our prayer after the meeting, uh, we pray for every night with my husband for the missionaries. So when I would hear that God answered our prayer, I'm really happy. You know, with... And from that experience, I could feel God's presence by praying. For instance, in the last year, one of our missionaries had been diagnosed with cancer. We prayed for her healing for months. And we recently heard she was free from cancer. So the more I pray, I realized just how critical the practice of prayer is in mission. So I think you can see how God works in mission through prayer, and we can participate in God's mission through prayer as well. So for those of us who are not serving in, in, uh, as a missionary or in missions, you're, what I hear you saying is you're inviting us to be a part of it through prayer. Is that right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, and, um, and Grace, Grace, how do we direct our prayers? So, you know, there are, you're talking to about 450 people who are listening to the live recording, and certainly people will listen to this podcast after the fact. If we want to pray and support people on missionary missions, where do we start? I think uh, it can be hard to know what exactly to pray for missionaries without knowing them or what they do. So I recommend asking the missionary to send their prayer request or their newsletters. I can tell you that they will send it to you with joy. And you can find their email addresses in the prayer guidebook. So if you know specific prayer requests and communicate with them regularly, you can be motivated to pray continually for a long time. 
so you would recognize how God answers and works through prayer. Personally, I learned the power of intercessory prayer through my missionary journey in the Philippines. Whenever we faced hard times, God always provided a way out and sent a helping hand. One example of this uh, from our time on mission was one day uh, my husband had a car accident and his car was totally scrapped, but he didn't get hurt at all. In times like this, I felt that the prayer of the people around me kept us safe. I believe that the power of prayer is greater than we think. So when we, especially when you pray for missionaries, please pray for them to have an intimate relationship with God, to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, and to abide in Jesus every day. I think this is the most important key in mission. So in John 15, I really love these Bible verses. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you abide in Jesus, the fruit will bear naturally. One of the errors that I ease us each for us to fall into while doing missionary work is focusing too much on the fruit, the result. But however, it is important for missionaries to always check whether they are remaining in Jesus. So I believe that God values our being more so than our achievement. Wow, uh, Grace, I tell you, I wish, I, I wish Pravina would have given me a warning about how powerful you are. Uh, thank you so much for that guidance because I think we do live in a world where we can focus on what we're producing rather than who we're connected to. So thank you so much for that grounding and for that, that, um, that guidance. And also as I hear you talk, I'm so inspired to really up my prayer game. So thank you for that. And Praveena, thank you so much for bringing um, Grace to, to this podcast. So ladies, I know that this is blessing you. It is certainly blessing me. Um, my next guest is Deaconess Catherine and Sarah. And she, again, she's the manager of faith and community relations with kids above all, formerly Child Serve. And it's a United Methodist affiliated nonprofit agency building better lives for children since 1894. Originally established as the Methodist Deaconess Orphanage in Lake Bluff, Illinois, Lucy Ryder Meyer, she's the, she was the founder and social visionary, is credited for the revival of the Deaconess movement. Catherine earned a certificate of spiritual formation from Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, Getz is the merger of the Chicago Training School established in 1885 by Lucy Ryder, Josiah Meyer, to train women leaders to serve and advocate for the poorest in society. And Garrett Biblical Institute founded in 1853. It was the first Methodist <laughs> seminary in the Midwest. Um, Catherine is the proud and grateful mother of two remarkable young women Maddie Peterson, and she lives in Brooklyn, uh, and Celia Marie Peterson, and she lives in Paris, France, and teaches English there. 
Catherine, thank you so much for, for being with us. I wonder if you could take a few minutes and Absolutely. tell us about your work. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm over the moon with joy to be online um, with everyone today. Um, Faith Talks has been a lifeline for me through this pandemic in particular to be able to queue up and join up with all these incredible women and other friends from around, I think, the world has truly been a lifeline. So it's an honor and a joy to be here today as Deaconess Catherine in the Chicagoland area, uh, working with Kids Above All, formerly Child Serve. We are a, as Jennifer said, a Methodist-affiliated child-serving agency in the Northern Illinois Conference of the United Methodist Church, and of course, the greater Chicagoland as the manager of faith and community relations for three years now, having come out of the local church, I am building partnerships with our United Methodist churches, United Methodist women and men, community groups, schools, and anybody who will listen to me to build better lives for children still. A hundred, coming up on 128 years of serving God's children and families in this area because of this legacy that Lucy Ryder Meyer and her husband Josiah in mission started with the Methodist Deaconess Orphanage. So I preach and teach and talk and just outreach, outreach, outreach um, to build resources, to build partnerships in mutual, mutual relationship. And I'd love to be able to email Grace, who just spoke, my recent message uh, about the parable of the grape and the vine, because I used some beautiful photos that are just a little vineyard up around this street from me. Um, so, Grace, you really touched my heart by talking about that abiding in uh, God, uh, God abiding in us and bearing witness, bearing witness to prayer and um, Christ's love in our lives still. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, your organization works and supports young people. What are some of the things that you personally pray for, uh, pray for young people in this season that we're living in? Yeah, that's a very uh, poignant question, Jennifer. Um, I do pray. My, my goal is to pray without ceasing. Um, our young people ranging from zero to 24 years of age, even children in womb, uh, our doulas work with uh, pregnant women, uh, and then we have um, housing all the way up to uh, young adult, homeless young adults, 18 to 24, our teenagers in group homes, our foster care children, all of our families across the landscape in early childhood um, desire prayer. And it's my honor and privilege, really, it's very humbling to pray for my colleagues, for our clients, many of whom I don't know yet, but to um, pray for their courage, to pray for their knowing God in a loving, merciful way through our actions, through our words, through our programs and services. We're a very diverse staff. We're a very, we serve a very diverse population. Um, not everybody is Christian. But I believe that God's love um, abides with each and every person as a child of God. So um, I really, really been praying for the courage and um, light to find to find their way 
um, in particular in these hard times. And to know the love of Christ um, through my work and my words and my witness. And, you know, we're talking about the prayer guide today as well as, you know, prayer. And so when you think about the prayer guide, is it applicable to, to young people? Like can young, is, can it be a resource for young people? Absolutely. It's a fabulous resource. Um, as Nora explained, described to us, um, I love the new, um, the new idea of it being a prayer guide. I don't know if you've heard of the, um, the little analogy that goes with the word guidance, God, you and I dance. I don't know if anyone has heard of that. If you think of the word guidance, God, you and I dance. I'm a dancer um, since a child, so that really spoke to me. And uh, who doesn't love to dance, right? To lift your spirits and to do that with the lens of faith um, with God. For young people, I some of my outreaches with our young people in our group homes, um, if they ask me about God and their faith, uh, they have questions, then I am very open and ready to meet with them and speak with them and walk with them. Um, it's, it's this kind of guide that feeds me and helps me to see my way and feel that strength that comes from women in prayer from all over the world and gives me ideas about how to approach youth, um, children, even colleagues, because it's, it's this prayer guide that guides me and allows me to, I think Nora said, open, my heart be opened more, my mind be opened more, my spirit be opened more. So it's a great idea, a resource with ideas. And um, gosh, I'd like to buy about 100 of them to give away to some of our youth and um, some of our, our kids at our church. So it's a great gift idea, definitely applicable across the ages. Thank you, Catherine. So you'll be presenting at the Turn It Up Assembly in just a few months that I know we are all excited about. Uh, and you're going to be talking about prayer and administration, among other things. Can you, can you share some of the things that you'll touch on? Oh, yeah, I would love to. Thank you for asking that question. Um, so I was in seminary uh, roughly around the age of 50, which was roughly around 12 years ago. And I had to do a practicum on prayer. And um, so I, I, I hosted a, a, like a mini prayer retreat focusing on the Lord's Prayer. My friend Michelle Beaulieu had choreographed this prayer with movement. And I asked her to come in to be one of the leaders. And we spent the morning exploring the Lord's Prayer with movement and embodying the prayer. And ever since then, um, it was at that time I realized I learned the Lord's Prayer in my mother's womb. And that, I kind of dropped to my knees. I hadn't realized that before that midway mark through my life. And that just really was powerful. And so I have taken the Lord's Prayer and fashioned it into a workshop or a prayer practice or a mini retreat. And so um, I've done it actually kind of around the world but for the, the United Methodist Women's Assembly, it's such an honor and, and a joy because I was consecrated a deaconess in 2018 in Columbus, Ohio. 
So I find myself four years up the road um, being invited to turn it up with the Lord's Prayer. And it's called Administration for Mission, Framed by the Lord's Prayer. So it's a, it's, it's a soul care kind of workshop. And this whole idea of administration being a spiritual gift and wanting to be drawn to it, not turned away from it, because we all know administration is hard work. And so as this has evolved, taking the Lord's Prayer to frame our administration for mission, because it will fortify us, it will ground us, it will move us forward and turn it up for this loving, abiding God that comes to us through um, the humanity of Jesus. And so we will take time to remember the Lord's Prayer, um, re-engage with the Lord's Prayer, and recommit to the Lord's Prayer. So um, it can be done in body, mind, or spirit. Um, it's, I've done it with first graders. Um, I've done it with United Methodist Women on the south side of Chicago, virtually. Uh, I've done it with all kinds of people. I've done it at the lake, uh, the, the prayer with movement. Um, to embody this prayer is um, it's just such a blessing. It's so powerful. And it has, it has, um, it, it just continues to inspire me to continue to do this work of God and build a kingdom here and now. Thank you so much for that, um, Catherine. It's, it does sound exciting. And you said that you learned, you learned the Lord's prayer in your mother's womb. Did your mom talk to you? I mean, clearly that was intentionality on her part. Did she talk to you about, um, did she talk to you about that? Like, or, or did someone else tell you, or, or can you just elaborate a little bit more? Well, if you take a minute and you think, who taught me the Lord's Prayer? When did I learn it? We don't always think about that, right? We forget. Um, I realized that my mother, a praying woman, a practicing Catholic, praying the rosary, going to Mass, would have been and was praying the Lord's Prayer while I was in her womb while I was being wonderfully made. So kudos and, and gratitude to my mother giving birth to seven children eventually. I'm the third of seven. Praying the Lord's Prayer, um, I believe, I believe from deep within was hugely formational in my faith formation. Growing up Catholic, I was, I always loved God. I always loved mass. I loved going to communion. I loved being a reader. Uh, I wanted to be a priest, but women weren't priests. Um, there was just this love of God and for beloved community um, since in my mother's womb. So I don't know why it took me so long to realize that, except that I had that moment set apart to be asked, when did you learn the Lord's Prayer, right? This prayer that Jesus gave his disciples when they asked, how do I pray? And the prayer was given to them, and it's been passed on, passed on, and passed on. It's such a foundational uh, prayer, and it's a tradition of our faith. And I want to uphold that prayer for times such as this so we can re-engage with it, re-embody it, and pray it with all our hearts, pray it with all our might, and pray it, pray it, pray it. All right, so let's give another reminder for, for people who are listening to, the, to this podcast and they want to know where they can go to, to get the prayer guide. It's on the United Methodist Women's uh, website, and you can, you can order it there. Catherine, let me just ask you this, this final question before <clears throat> we go to, to our next guest. 
what do you what do you say to people who who might um, might say to you, I want to pray, but I don't know where to start. Um, I I did not grow up in a religious family, or I did not grow up seeing an example of people around mm -hmm. me praying. So where do I start? What would your response be? I, I've had youth in our group homes ask me that um, over the last couple of years, um, exactly that question. And I, I know that it's a holy moment. And I say, I'm so glad you asked me that question. That is such an important question. It's really the question that the disciples asked Jesus. How do I pray? How do we pray? And so I believe in responding in that way, Jennifer, it opens up um, a doorway to establish, you know, rapport and, and relationship with that young person and to listen to that person's um, response and ask about what what has been your faith tradition did you grow up in a church a couple girls have said well i learned from my grandma i went to church with my grandma um coming from families that are not together um they have left families um to come through the system and then they they come to us so I, I want to always be as welcoming as possible, as genuine and authentic. Thank you for asking that question. Gosh, that's so important. Um, finding out about any experiences they've had and then listening and walking with them. And I've given Bibles. I've showed them where the Lord's Prayer is. And many of them do know that prayer. It's pretty stunning. The I mean, I'm not many, but a couple, three girls that I've talked with in particular, they, they have heard the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, to show them where that is in the Bible. And, and it's a continuous walk. It, it's not just been there, done that. It's keep doing it, listening, um, saying what's on your mind, um, what prayers have meant anything to you, if any, and what kind of prayers would you like to pray? Because it's conversation with God. Whatever is coming from your heart, God hears. Thank you so much, Catherine. I want to now go to our next guest. I'm so excited to have on the Faith Talks podcast with us once again, uh, Reverend Dion Bossier, and she's the chaplain of the Church Center for the United Nations. Uh, Reverend Dion is the first woman of African descent to hold this position and the history of this New York ecumenical and interfaith landmark. CCUN is owned by the United Methodist Women and it exists to expand the ecumenical, ecumenical community's capacity and access to the United Nations, to bring greater voice to the broad moral and ethical concerns of the church and international affairs, peacemaking, and also advocacy. As the chief spiritual steward of the CCUN, uh, Reverend Bossier ensures the church center provides sacred space, worship, hospitality, community advocacy, and a forum for partners in civil society to engage in transformative education that seeks to empower and build things that make for peace. Reverend Dion, thank you so much for being with us today. So grateful. So, Reverend Dion, we've been having this conversation about, um, about prayer 
And I wonder if you can start us off by sharing any scriptures that inspire you to pray or that help you pray, perhaps when you don't know where to start. Are there any scriptures that resonate with you about prayer specifically? So there's so many scriptures and I actually, so uh, in, in sort of looking over some of the questions and talking, I have scriptures throughout all of the questions that you were asking me so that we can have references. Cause so, so prayer is my absolute favorite thing ever, right? Um, it is that conversation and it excites me when people want to pray because it is a conversation, uh, uh, a holy conversation that we are continuing. Um, but also it's this, it's, um, it's an, the engagement of, uh, of our imagination, right? So I, uh, this is sort of one of the, one of your questions. I, 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 I quoted one of my own, um, uh, mentors and um, spiritual um, fathers in the ministry, the Reverend Dr. James A. Forbes. And one of the things that he talks about, I was preaching a sermon and I was stuck and I called him about it. Um, and the sermon title was Reimagine Possibility. One of the things that he always says, and I'll never forget it, he says, prayer is a radical act of imagination. Um, and so for me, that is the gift and the blessing of, uh, of prayer. So where I have been uh, is praying through the Psalms because this is the season for me during this time um, because we've been in, in this sort of uh, Saturday, Holy Saturday moment is what I call it. We've been in this, this place now almost going on three years with this pandemic. We have been um, uh, in this place that is, sort of after the, the horror of crucifixion and before the hope of resurrection, right? It's, it's in that sort of space that we're in, that Holy Saturday space, so that we have, to, we have to imagine to see the thing before we see it, right? Um, and so we have to see that the world is well. Uh, before we actually see it there. We've got to imagine this, right? So this is what I've been holding on. So my, I've been praying through the, through the Psalms. I have a, a prayer call every Monday morning. And because um, one of my favorite stories is Hannah. And as I prayed, and so this is almost going on 20 years we've been praying. Yeah, no, it's almost 15 years now that we've been praying every Monday morning. And so, um, because Hannah started in, in, on her knees asking God for the heart, for the desires of her heart. So Hannah's hour. Um, and I believe that as the daughters of, of Hannah and the daughters of God, we are called to pray. So for, for me right now, I've been praying in Psalm 46. So Psalm 46 is what I've been holding on to. Um, and, and as you remember, Psalm 46, if you remember, is talks about God as our refuge. I hold on to God and the names of God. That's what I pray often, the names of God. But, but, but for, for me right now, I've been holding on to that. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, you know, and sort of rehearsing that. So that's the one thing that I've been holding on to now. And then if you go further on in the Psalm, it says that God is in the midst of her. And so to, to know that God is in the midst of her. Yeah. So I've been sort of, you place your, replace your name and put it there, you know, so that you can recall. So that's where I have been. So praying the Psalms, 
because the psalm uh, and David uh, and David was not the only psalmist, but throughout the psalms, we're seeing the sort of the the ebbs and flows of life, the highs and the lows. We see the the emotion, uh, the human emotion, and so. Um, that's what God wants to hear. God is not moved by how many words you can say. God is not moved by how big your words are. God is moved because your heart is seeking God uh, in this moment. So it is that continuous. So that is what gives me sort of comfort and where I am right now is sort of praying through the Psalms, particularly Psalm 46 for me. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, if we go through that, that Psalm, there's so, so many parts in the Psalms throughout the Psalms, but in that Psalm 46, uh, each now, um, each sort of part after we see the God of Jacob is our refuge, right? And then we see the word Selah, the pause. So the pause and reflect. And so that that's what that word Selah means, right? And then as we go down, we're talking about uh, before the Psalm again ends with saying, uh, be still and know that I am God, right? Um, we're talking about her, right? This The holy place, the city of God, the place where God dwells, the holy tabernacle of the most high. That's what God is saying. And in there, in the, in, in the Psalmist says, God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God shall help her uh, just at the break of dawn and her being, you know, uh, that, the, that, 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 that city of God, the holy place, right? That is her. So we have to see ourselves as the holy place, our temples as the holy place. God is in the midst of us, just like God is in the midst of the city. God is in the midst of the nations. God is in the midst of the world. That 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 her, of course, the, re the reference, the biblical reference, of course, always is that sort of the holy place, the tabernacle, right? Um, and now in New Testament times, we would look at it as God being in the midst of her being the body of Christ the church, right? But God being midst of those who are holding on to our faith. And so um, I am sort of um, personifying the her and personalizing it. And that's what prayer is. It, keeping it in context, of course, with the Bible verse and what the what the text was saying and being true to that, but also then uh, personalizing it for you uh, and for the faith community, because that's what we're called to do. So God is in the midst of us. God is in the midst of the United Methodist women. God is in the midst of our call right now. God is in the midst of us. God is in the midst of her. Yeah. So that's what I, that's, that is in its context, but also in the that sort of personal way. Yeah. I love that. So I'm going to ask you the question that I asked one of our guests earlier. What do you say to women who might say, man, that sounds wonderful. And you clearly know your Bible. You clearly have spent a lot of time reading your Bible. I don't know where to start. What do you say to women who say, listen, I want this, I want this stronger prayer life, but I don't really know where to dive in, where to jump in. What do you say? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is, it is, um, again, prayer is the conversation. And just like what you said in the very beginning, and I thought that that was so powerful. Sometimes the prayer is, um, help Jesus. <laughs> so that, that, and that is a whole prayer. 
Um, uh, sometimes there are breath prayers, right? Where um, we're literally um, praying and taking that breath and 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 allowing God uh, and the Spirit of God to move in and through us, right? Um, it is also uh, the 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 prayers, taking the prayers that are in the Bibles that we know of, and of course, uh, as our deaconess just showed us, the the prayer that Jesus invites us to pray is a prayer, and it's a format. I think also, and I, and I, I know I'm going to sound a little, it may sound a little harsh to folks, but if you choose to pray the the Lord's Prayer or the prayer that we were invited to pray as Jesus asked us to, um, and if you don't really mean it, don't pray it. I'm going to tell you, don't don't even say it <laughs> because it is it is asking for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That means God's way of doing things, God's way, God's will of doing. And if you're not ready for it, don't pray it, right? You know, giving us this day, our daily bread, literally all that you need. It is not just the bread, the, the, anything that you need this day, God, give this to me, right? It's the forgiving of others as you are willing, asking God to forgive. And literally I'm praying that this be the one. If nobody prays any other prayer, just say, deliver us from evil because there's so much around us, right? So, so this is the, the kingdom of God is, is the will of God and the way of God that we're asking to be. So this is the, the prayers of justice. This is the prayers of hope. This is the prayers of transformation that we're praying. But also, I would also say to, um, if you don't know where to start, uh, when I remember um, training um, uh, as a prayer warrior in the church, acts was the thing that we started with. And the word acts, A-C-T-S, right? Um, start with acknowledging God and then confessing that, you know, you are nothing without God and that you need God and then giving thanks and then asking, then the supplication, right? So so that sort of format that is there, right? And then um, again, the scriptures that for me, and there's so many, but there's one, and I can talk about prayer all day long. I absolutely love it. But um, there's a prayer, and I think this is the mistake that we make a lot of the times as we pray, um, uh, uh, that we think that everything is going to be all well all the time, just because you've prayed it, and it does not. Um, and so there's a there's a, a way of, of meditating on some things. And in Philippians 4, we have that. We have that there where where um, where the, uh, the uh, apostle is telling us there to think on whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatever things are of good report, whatever are pure and lovely and, and virtuous, uh, praiseworthy, to meditate on those things. So even if you don't know where to start to pray, you think of what it is that is burning on your heart and you just lift that word up, that person up, whatever it is to God. And God hears uh, that, that prayer of your heart. All right. So, you know, I don't know if, if you have found this in your life, but in my life, sometimes when I feel like, oh my goodness, I need to get closer to God. Sometimes a situation will present itself and it'll give me that opportunity. And I'll find that I'm praying more. I'm praying more fervently. And I feel like God, you know, even that, even that, that groaning or that thinking, oh, I need to be closer to God. Have you ever found God create a situ situation where it pushes you to prayer? Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't been pushed to be pr in prayer these days, I don't even I don't even know what. But yes, there's you find yourself in a time, and I know now um, 
our desire to want to be closer to God has nothing to do with um, the 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 uh, our jobs or what's going on. In other words, you know, it's just like doing the right thing. You do it whether God whether the the microphone is on or whether people are looking or not, right? So we want to be closer to God, whether or not um, it's because you're in front of people, whether or not anybody ever sees anything. Um, you want to, that that um, that personal sort of relationship with God. And so the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And it says to give thanks um, uh, um, in everything. It doesn't say for everything. It says in everything we give God thanks. And so that there is uh, uh, situations that are happening in our world and um, in the even despite the situations that's going on, sometimes we just fall on our knees or wherever you are whatever posture of prayer you take, and that draws us in closer um, uh, to God. You know, there's a, a one of my other favorite scriptures, and I know many of us have heard it, but I think about the story behind the scripture. It's in 2 Chronicles. And, and, and this is where, and everybody knows the scripture, whether they know how to say it or not. They've heard people say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, right? Uh, and pray and seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. I will come in here uh, from heaven and and forgive their sin and heal the land. So so the but the story behind that, Jennifer, is what you were talking about, right? When when people are being called into prayer, so Solomon is pray is 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 sort of in this place, right? And there's stuff that's all around him. The land is 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 locusts are everywhere, pestilence are everywhere, but it's been calling him to pray and 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 really um be beseeching the people to do the same thing how powerful would it be if everybody just just you know uh, just spoke to God and that the warmth of God would just be moved because God's people however long or short the prayer is <laughs> would hear God would hear from us and be moved uh, uh, um, um, to heal our land so yes I have felt that same thing my sister <laughs> many a time you know, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you to close yeah, us out. And here's one. here's the question that I would have for you. Um, I heard someone say that Christians can never lose hope, mm. that, that of all people, Christians must maintain hope. My question for you is how can prayer help us to hold on to hope? <sighs> I, again, um, I want to say this too, and many of us have have. Uh, I've said this as we close, many of us have talked about um, sometimes you don't even have any words. And again, the prayers of your heart are what God hears. So um, I, I want to say that there is, there is again, a scripture. And I know um, even for, for those of us who work in multi-faith communities um, and we pray about a topic, about what's going on in the world. And so we may not be able to lift up a particular passage in the same way that we would in our churches. But for we who are on the line and hold on to the hope that is in Christ Jesus, um, I want to say that there in Romans 8, I want you to read it, it when you get back, but there's that portion of it. So that even if you don't know, remember it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present moment are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. And then it talks about the creation groaning. Uh, that, and so uh, I want to say the same thing. We are, uh, we know that the whole creation groans with the labor pains together until now. And it talks about because we have the hope 
that is in God through Christ. And so I want to say that when you feel that there's no more hope, remember prayer is a radical act of the imagination. So I want you to actualize what it, what it means, holding on to the hope that we know that is in Christ and that we know that we can imagine what is possible. It means that we actualize our faith to the unlimited potential. It is the hope of that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Let's reimagine what we, what what our hopes and our dreams, a possibility uh, 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 after the pestilence and after uh, 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 the prejudice and the and the ills and the evils, but that we can restore, we can reimagine, we can renew. And so I say, we hold on to that hope that it is is that is in God through Christ, um, and that we remember, even if it's just a moan that the creation moans with us and God hears us indeed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Reverend Dion. Thank you everyone for joining. Uh, we will be back in about two weeks for another Faith Talks podcast. Be well, everyone. And of all things, don't forget to pray. Pray.